Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Here with Benji in person. We've got Luke producing in studio the Giro d'Italia Stage 1 time trial. And there was a lot of this time trial created a lot of problems as well. The stage of the day before when everyone was doing the recon, I think how many how many riders crashed, Benji? It's at least th- four confirmed or three confirmed crash doing a recon of the team time of the time trial. Well, Jan Trotnik for Jumbo is one of the ones that was the, the major news when it comes to yesterday. And mainly because Jumbo has had so many riders already already drop out of their Giro squad. We had initially Calderon back in Tireno dropped out. Then that entirely got updated. We've got uh, Foss that fell out with COVID. We had Hasing falling out with COVID. We had Jos van Emden coming and then dropping out again. And in the end, they started with a, a team that was not the team that was initially set up. But Trotnik was a a big hitter out for them because he was looking lean, like you said. He was looking very good for this Giro and he's going to be a big loss for the team. But next to him, Dusfeld, Molar also hit by a car. That's major for, uh, well, Italy. Well, yeah, I shared on Twitter actually a statistic about more recreational cycling and Italy's kind of an outlier in Europe that the major incidents for cyclists per whatever metric, billion kilometers traveled, million kilometers traveled was actually really bad. And so... We've seen this with Bora training in Italy, and there was even a car in Liège and no, in Lombardia that hit Sharkman back a few years ago. So, big shame, but also this happens with riders. Like on the TT bikes, we know um, you're not handling as well. You might not be looking up, um, and so when a car does they do the wrong thing, you can't react as quickly. So, yeah, I agree. Tratnik out is huge. He was going to be that Castro Viejo role. Yeah. That really, that guy who you think like he could probably make groups of 15 and then pull the valley afterwards for Roglic. And he's a huge loss because now Dennis comes in. What sort of shape is he in to fulfill that role? He's not going to be in the same shape as Tratnik. And Globe comes in. He wasn't supposed to do a Grand Tour this year. He's a pure climber. And so, and Omen's just been crook. So, like the climbing's fine, but the whatever in the middle. And the rulers are fine with the and Hessman, but the middle is not looking too strong for Yumbo. And that's where Quickstep have a huge advantage with Vivaca, with Seri, with Catania. Exactly. Now, when I look at that team, you mentioned Glog and so forth, and you mentioned Dennis coming in, but I also swear that he was a bit ill during Romandy, if I recall correctly. So the run-in for him wasn't perfect towards the yeah. Giro either. It was like we weren't sure what form he was going to be in going into this Giro in the first place, but... That being said, we know the team coming in. Like you said, Glogan, we had Dennis coming in and so forth. And that's a team surrounding uh, Roglic for this first time trial, but they wouldn't be by his side in this time trial because it's individual, you know? And, well, Dennis was going to go early. I think to, he can, at least with a guy with a lot of time trial experience, he can test out equipment. He can also say, okay, I think the course is running this way, yeah. even if he doesn't have the top leg. So I guess he can help in that sense. But, yeah, he's a time trial. Fossa, Chessia, Marina to Ortona. Pretty, I think the whole course just about was barriered except maybe sections of the climb. A lot of it's on a straight out bike path, really fast. I don't know the rolling resistance exactly of the white versus green painted paint on the bike path, but yeah, and then it was flat. And then the last two and a half Ks, three Ks had a little kick up. And I think that was really advantage even a pull. And that ended up being, there were bigger gaps between some of the guys on that climb, which is the T intermediate time check two to the finish about four minutes that effort and there's really big differences here on on that uh section and different pacing strategies even within teams like mcnulty and vine were 17 plus 9 is 26 i can do math still you know nearly 30 seconds different 
despite doing almost the same finishing time on that hill. So maybe rider preference, I don't know. But yeah, 19.6Ks, I wasn't expecting monster gaps on GC yeah. between everybody, but Remco Evenepoel comes out, the Aero Bullet in the Belgian national ta- bands, which I maybe haven't seen him in yet, or maybe he wore them in the Vuelta. No, he's in red in the Vuelta. Yeah. So he couldn't wear them. Wins this TT by 22 seconds over Ghana. I thought, okay, he's going to win by five against Ghana because the hill is actually a bit harder than we thought. And it's 22 seconds, Benji, to him. And to Roglic, quick maths, 43 seconds. I was thinking 15 to 20 seconds. 43 seconds is... That's already all the bonuses Roglic could ever take in this Giro, plus some. Exactly. And... It's only the first of the three time trials. Exactly. Now, those three time trials, Roglic might be better off in those time trials because this was the worst that I could possibly happen in terms of time loss, I would expect, <laughs> yeah. on a time trial like this for Roglic. So you see riders that are not necessarily those two riders doing better where I was like, I wasn't expecting Gegenhardt to set the best time or one of the best times here in this race. And then he ends up fourth in this time trial. And I'm like, if Roglic loses time to Gegenhardt like that, then... Then his time trial wasn't good enough. No, exactly. He loses three seconds at the finish to Gagan Hart. And yeah, you can say, okay, same time as Stefan Kung. Stefan Kung's a good time trialist, but this is very similar to a, a Basque Country TTs, which Roglic has dominated in previous years, where you wouldn't expect him to be on the same time as Stefan Kung with a pickup at the end. So he definitely, yeah, he underperformed in this TT to come uh, sixth, same time as Kung, though, but a 43 second loss. And also our pick. For the Giro overall, or did you change? Did you were you forced to change to Remco? I think you were. Yeah. Even Almeida, Almeida comes in third. He was twenty nine seconds slower than Remco, the second best of the GC contenders, and a decent gap from him too. Eleven seconds from Almeida to Gegenhart, and fourteen seconds from Almeida to Roglic. Vine on twenty two oh four. I should just run through the top him. Avonpol, Ghana, Almeida, Gegenhart, Kung, Roglic. Vine McNulty. Now Thomas was fourth at T2 and third at T1. And then on the climb, he was 46. So he he fully blew up. Or maybe that was just his pacing strategy around Thomas on the <laughs> climb. But he was looking really good until then. And I don't know. Yeah. And then Vlasov also same time Thomas in 10. So that's a lot of GC contenders. How many, how much conclusions or what conclusions can we draw from something like that with Thomas though? Like, are we is it right to say, oh, well, his flat power is good and he didn't hit his target weight and then his climbing's no good? I don't really think you can because they're still doing on the last section like 40 kph. Like they're not doing the Motorola, they're still doing 40 kph. Is it just he mispaced it and blew up on the climb? Maybe, but I would also say that we said before this Giro started that he wasn't looking at his best yet. Now we know this Grand Tour has his best week or the hardest week in the last week with Kranz Montana or Kran Montagna, whatever you pronounce it, in week two. And knowing the presence of those hard stages, he doesn't need to be at his best yet. So he can grow into the race towards that second time trial, and by then he should be at a top, top level because that second time trial, fully flat, should fit him. And then going further into the race, if he's at a better level climbing-wise, it's going to matter a lot more than losing, even if, even if he loses 30 seconds on Campo Imperatore because he's not at that level yet, he might be able to gain that back or something to top three candidates, like a third, 
rider candidate in GC, maybe top five candidates, depending on what level he comes into by that last week when it, uh, when it really matters. But back to uh, Roglic for a second and Evenepoel, would you say that over the years so far, you've been disappointed in time trials by Jumbo Visma in general? It looks like the gap between them and the rest isn't so as big as it might have been before. Like back in, in the team time trial in UAE, it's like, okay, well, they got Kus and Glog, so how good could, can their TTT be? But then in Paris-Nice, they won by a second ahead of EF and three seconds ahead of Bike Exchange, or Jacob Alula, sorry, who... Like the Yumbo squad was filled with world championships in the time trial galore. So, what's happened there? Is it the equipment? Was it the pacing? Did they go look at the strategy right? Or, yeah, is I don't know. Is has Ineos stepped up? Because Ineos in some TTs this year, I've been like, eh, not the best. Like I thought they could have done better. And then Gagenhart comes. Like this is the best Gagenhart ever done in a team time yeah. in a time trial. This is like outrageously good from him. He was 11th at T1, 10th at T2, so he's pushing on the flat. Remember, he's slender. He's not, a, he's not the aero bullet like Remco, so he's still going full gas there. But then T2 to the finish, he was second on 4.04, which was the only other person that went quicker was McNulty, who very, very strange pacing from Brandon McNulty. I don't know if he, <laughs> no, I don't know if he had an issue. He was 104th at T1, 104th. Uh, no, sorry, it's 22nd at T2. So I don't know if he did. Did he swap his bike at T1? Because he lost a minute and 17 seconds in 10 minutes to Ramco at T1. And then he did 352, which is 12 seconds quicker than Gagan Hart and 14 seconds quicker than Ramco on the climb. Or he just thought the climb was much harder. Or, or he was going for the KOM jersey, which I think <laughs> he, he now goes into. That's very possible. The thing with McNulty as well is we saw him on the, on, on the route and when it comes to his time checks, we didn't get the time imminently. True. So weird. there were a lot of intermediate check problems in this race, right? Is that crossed the line and the time didn't stop like Almeida and with, with McNulty where the time didn't really show up and with Vlasov where the time didn't really show up. So I'm wondering whether uh, that's a problem, eh? Yeah, Usually no, we can say, yeah. oh, he doesn't have his transponder on his bike, so we maybe change the bike, but now... Everybody was having those troubles because the, the directing wasn't that great in that sense, the, the broadcast side of it. But we can't, we can't say if it's a transponder missing, whether he changed bike or not, or whether he just had a, a shit start. True. Maybe put an asterisk on what I just said regarding his pacing. Uh, but yeah, he still, he seemed to be quickest from T2 to the finish. But if you want to watch the Giro d'Italia, as you know, the best place to do so is GCN+. Plus. There's even, Benji was excited to see a Nibali shark documentary. I don't know if they have actually, if they licensed shark images for that documentary. They certainly got images of Nibali. That documentary is interesting about him and his career. And as you know, he won the Giro d'Italia twice. And someone to remember for this race in the 2016 Giro, I, I need to go back and look whether he was dominating week one or Froome was dominating week one in 2018 because, you know, Already you see Remco here and you're like, oh, is it over? But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you think back to riders like Nibali and Froome that the Giro is a bit different maybe to the Tour or the Vuelta, particularly the Vuelta last year. But if you want to get GCN Plus to watch every kilometre of this Giro with pre- and post-stage coverage, you can go to the LR uh, link down below and get 15% off in selected territories and catch up on those documentaries to fill in the time as well.
But other people to pick out, I guess we already said Vine was solid. A uh, very good TT, 22.04, three seconds behind Roglic. And maybe let's, we've done the positive Benji. Let's pick out some other trends that maybe were less positive. I would say Bahrain, you know, those guys are struggling with their setup. Oh. Caruso and, and Haig, you know, Haig loses nearly a minute 40. Caruso loses over a minute 30. And Caruso's a good time trialist in this time trial. So, and Butrago loses two minutes. So they're three guys. Gina Mater also out with COVID before this race too, which is a big shame. Yeah, they're just battling like with that setup. And, and if this is this TT, imagine the 30K flat one, like they could be putting in huge time differences or losing huge amounts of time. Exactly. And when we speak about Almeida, obviously his riding was great, but I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. The man can't drink. Oh, yeah. Post finish, he tried to drink and it flew everywhere. I swear about 75% of the water bottle went into the, went into the floor. But on to more important things Vine versus Almeida. We've spoken about both doing good time trials here. Almeida's ahead at the moment. I think they'll just ride both their own TT, but this is a very good TT yeah. from both the UAE riders. And I don't know. I'm hopped for Almeida. I think we, we kind of exaggerated in our preview when it comes to calling Almeida for every single week, <laughs> every single stage in the last week, but it's looking good at the moment, and I think he's only going to get better. I, this is a ridiculous overperformance um, from Almeida. He, I did not expect him to come third in this TT, to beat Stefan Kung, to only be seven seconds behind Ghana over a 20-minute TT, which is mostly flat. Is, I don't know if he's changed his setup. I don't know if he's changed his weight because Remco was talking about last year he was lighter in the Vuelta and his TT in the Vuelta was not as good as he expected and actually considering how banged up Roglic was the gap wasn't so big and he's coming to this Giro with more weight so he could have more absolute power yeah. for the first week which has got you know 50ks of flat time trial in it I don't know what Almeida's done or maybe he just had good legs today and did a good altitude camp I don't know but he paced it really consistently fifth at T1 third at T2 and Third at T2 to the finish. And I mean, Ghana Benji, he kind of did out of the non GC guys. I think he did his best here. Like second at T1, second at T2, second at the finish. And he's just, you know, about 10 seconds slower than like the Almeida and Gagan Hearts. And he's only seven seconds slower than Remco on the climb. Remco was just on one today. Like this is. To average 55 on this TT, I, I mean, yeah, there's not many more superlatives to say about Remco. Like the storms are coming in. Maybe it's pathetic fallacy for this this year at Italia. <laughs> the rain, there's hail starting outside. But yeah, Jesus. Remco, I mean, should we overreact to this? Because that's what the tendency is. Like, I, re the, I look at this and I look at Roglic and him where he finishes. And it's like, if Roglic is going to be sort of at Almeida's level, and maybe Almeida's better, is this really a two-horse race? I know that's very, very, <laughs> very, no, but it's a big, big time gap. But then again, when you, if you look at previous Giros, so much can happen in week three, uh, even in the, in the other weeks. And yeah, I just, but obviously Remco's on the right foot. And I think if you're going into stage nine for quick step now, you've got to be pretty confident in saying, He's going to take more time, 45 seconds, a minute minimum again. So you can probably play with that buffer now. Exactly. If we look at the situation now, we see that 
Remco gained those 43 seconds. If we look back at how much time we expected him to gain, was maybe 15 to 20 seconds yeah. in this time trial. Now, maybe Remco did a bit better, but I would also say this was a pretty awful TT by Roglic compared to what we expected initially. If we look at the time trial that is coming, like you mentioned, he should be losing more time that we predicted him to lose yeah. in the first place as well. Now, when it comes to the climb and the time trial, they, they did similar. So it's not the climb that decided it. It's not the flat. It's just in general the time trial that yeah. seemed to have decided Remco was better at this time trial simply. When it comes to Remco's position, in the next week, we've got two relative sprint stages. The next stage is a sprint stage. The stage afterwards is like a versatile sprint yeah. stage. Depends on what happens on the climb that is there in the last 30, 40 kilometers. And then we've got stage four, which is Lago La Senua, medium mountain hilly stage where attacks can happen. And stage seven, Camp Imperatore. If you are Remco Evenepoel, I say your goal is to let a not super dangerous break go. Riders that are allowed two, three minutes in GC and let them take the GC pink jersey on stage four. It's Remco. He won't, probably won't want to do it, but he needs to do it because... But won't he be thinking... I got Roglic on the ropes here. He's come in undercooked. I got 4Ks, 9%. Yeah, but... I can drop him, take more time. He can do that behind as well, eh? True, true. He can do that in, in 17 minutes behind the breakaway. You lose well, the bonies. Then he might lose 17 minutes to the breakaway, yeah. which might not be ideal. Well, who are the candidates for that based on this time trial? Because there were some people trying very, very hard who you might not expect to have tried so hard. I think the biggest one is the old suspect who has made a over the last few years, always tried to do this rain. Tarame, he finished, okay, yeah, he finished 43rd, but based on his profile and their team setup, you could tell he was trying full gas. He finished not too far. He finished ahead of Thibaut Pino and other riders like Derek G, who's okay in the TT. So Tarame's a clear candidate to go for pink, I would say, and he'd be someone that I wouldn't be too concerned about rain. Tarame, is there anyone else? Like Carthy lost two minutes. Or Kamna Benji, based on his, you know, Kamna's a good time trial rider. He lost a minute and 23 seconds to Remco. Is it too early for Kamna to pull the plug on the GC project? Or was his goal to go T10 anyway and in GC and this doesn't really change your ability to go top 10? I mean, it's very different to what he's made a career out of so far. And same goes for Bobby Ungles. He's on the same time on that team. Wow. Is it too early? I don't know. You said beforehand that you would have wanted him to be in the, in the breakaway gang again for this Giro yeah. in the first place. And when I didn't think about the rest of the Giro, I feel like, yeah, maybe he can get 9th or 10th in GC, but I'd rather see him win two or three stages or try to win two or three stages. Or wear pink for a week. Yeah, stuff like that. And I believe that he's still in a good position to do that. I, even if he's a minute behind on GC on stage four, I wouldn't really be angry at Kemna gaining three minutes on me if I'm an wave in a pool. I'd be fine with that. Same with Tarame, same with Demarki, for example, those type of riders. Kind of the riders that finished in the... Thibaut Pino. Yeah, the top 40s to 50 in this time trial. Ben Healy, Pino, like you mentioned. And we're going to see those riders in the breakaway. Harm van Hoek is probably going to be in the breakaway. Coffee's a difficult one. because They won't let him. He's been up there in GC in the past, eh? But... I don't expect him to be up there in GC at the end of this Giro, though. I, oh, nah, Carthy's always, he, he always comes good in the end of the third week. Yeah, and I'm, it's a long, hard yeah, week as well. Yeah, and then it's a brutal third week. I, I'm not too worried about Carthy GC. This is sort of 
I didn't expect it to be that big of a time loss because he is on an EF setup, which is pretty slick. Um, but yeah, like Tushrel got hit by the car. These are sort of, there are some decent climbers who are close who I wouldn't be too concerned about getting in the breakaway and, and going. I mean, even on stage three, but before we go on to the preview of tomorrow's stage, Benji, should we, is there any other sort of nuggets from this? Like Vlasov, Solid, like Thomas Solid. They're really, apart from Renko just being just on another level and Roglic's being a bit less, there's not, oh, I guess Almeida's the big standout to me. Um, Almeida was, yeah, really, really, really good, but I don't know what that translates for for the rest of the race. Um, tomorrow's stage. Toramo to San Salvo, it is a flat-ish with some little rollers on the coast in the last 60 kilometers or so, 203 k's long. There's medium mountain beforehand. I don't think this, I say this, I don't, you know, I don't think this is the easiest stage to control, but if I remember the first sprint stages of the Giro last year, it was the Bice brothers in the breakaway and they got 12 minutes and then got brought back. So with the firepower of Groves, Movistar, Pedersen with Trek. There are too many teams that are motivated to go for the first sprint stage. And that, yeah, I just, this is a nailed on sprint stage. Jayco Alula with Matthews, for example. That's four very strong teams, at least, who will be trying and maybe even DSM for Dainese. Um, so, have you got Benji? I think we were a little bit underrated Gaviria in our sprint, in our preview for the sprints. Oh. I, I feel I, I'm high on Gaviria. I think he's quick. Yeah. I, I do. I don't know how technical this finish is in San Salvo. Uh, if it is very technical, I have to go and look at look at Vela Viewer. To me, it looks like it, they go in, turn left, then turn left again, do a dog leg. Um, dog leg? Dog leg, your favorite word. Um, but I don't know how far that is from the finish. I think Gaviria launches early. Pedersen gets onto his back wheel and does the business taking, uh, taking stage two. Okay, that's a, a solid theory. I think we look at a lot of teams that can do stuff here. And uh, we mentioned Gavidia for one stage or so in the preview. He could indeed do more than that one stage. But if he depends on how he launches, if he launches at 400 meters early, <laughs> <laughs> Groves is going to be up there, Pedersen is going to be up there. I had Peterson for every sprint stage, so I need yeah. to stay with Mess Peterson for the sprint stage. While I do believe that I would have liked to see Edward turns in this team, like you mentioned multiple times in last year's Velta and so forth, I still trust the one-man lead out of Alex Hirsch in this race. He can bring him up there when it matters. The annoying part with Peterson is he's the type of sprinter that needs to start at the, at the front. He's like a Wout Fanard when it comes to the sprints, but that's against the top sprinters. Against the second line of sprinters, I feel like he can compete either way. No? And who's got the monster trains here anyway? You know, you got Hunter and Torres with Ver uh, Rojas for Gaviria. That's a solid enough train. Afini probably won't even be sprinting. Consoni's got Chimalai and last, I don't know. Yeah, Chimalai leading him out. Astana signed Bowl didn't send him. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, Alperson, pro Alperson have the best train. They got Aldani, Sparagli, Sinkledam, Layson for Groves and Krieger. That is by far the best train. Alpson to Koenig. So Groves should be in good position. If I was Pedersen, I'd probably be trying to bully Groves off Sinkledam's wheel. <laughs> I think Pedersen's quicker than Groves. Groves in Paranese, he was there. He kind of got he got beaten by those guys a couple of times. And then he beat, you know, like Cockard and other guys in 
Catalunya, I think Groves almost is like, uh, he's climbing unbelievably well. But yeah, Gaviri, I don't know what Edward Turns did to offend Trek. Maybe Trekkie the hate Pedersen, Kirsch, or Turns because I have no idea how. I'm sure he'll do something good, but like, Turns should be here for Vergata. Like, why Kirsch? Okay, Darnall is your setup man in theory, but I've not really seen Darnall in the big Grand Tour sprint stages at a K to go ripping it. And he, he might, he's a young guy, he's decent in the TT today, but Kirsch to me is not a natural last man. He can do it, but I, would, I think it would be even better, and especially as you said, Pedersen likes to be at the front, if you go Darnall, Kirsch, Edward turns as the final launching man for Pedersen, then it's like, Looking really good, um, but they didn't. So I don't know what. Yeah, maybe Edward Turns doesn't want to be a leader, man. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Pedersen, I got. Uh, anything else? Any other news from the Giro, Benji? There's the oh, the final TT might not oh, be happening. God. We forgot the preview. Um, just so everybody knows, so the final TT is supposed to be crazy. Monte Lusari, the refu refugio or no monastery, sorry, um, near the Slovenian border. And apparently they realized, oh, cars couldn't follow the riders on that. When? Uh, surprise, surprise. And then they're like, okay, motorbikes will follow the riders on that. But there's not enough motorbikes per rider? Yeah, but when did they realize that? I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> like, well, you should have realized that cars couldn't do it. Maybe when the road was created, like the dirt road, maybe in 1500 BC. <laughs> so that was pretty obvious the cars are never going up that road, how narrow it is. And then you, okay, then you've got to have enough motorbikes. Now, maybe the DSs don't want to have, like, be sitting on the back of a motorbike holding a, a bike. Like, that was what's supposed to happen. So that might change. Um, they might do Monte Zonkalan, which I think is slightly wider, is also brutal, probably doesn't have the same pinches, but still 7Ks, 12%. Remco is saying that he still... He, he basically made the point, which is fair enough, you released the route six months ago, seven months yeah. ago, actually. We've all trained on the basis that we're going to be doing this mountain TT with 11Ks of flat beforehand. It's going to be ridiculously steep. You can't just take that out and just do a flat TT, or you can't just take that out and not do a TT. You have to do a mountain TT that's something similar physiologically. And I think if they do have to can it, which would be a shame, then they have to do Zonkalan or something similar. Yep. And the worst part of it as well is that it shows up in the idea of the news in Sifov one day before the Giro, two days before the Giro. Ha the UCI apparently like brought it up towards RCS that it would be an issue. Like yeah. UCI should have brought it up months ago if they... If they did it last minute, then that's that's so like the safety manager was sleeping for 17 years. This is the third, the oh, arguably the second biggest race in cycling, and it's not my job. But I was thinking, yeah, logistically, when I first saw it, I was like, well, how are they going to do this? Are they going to have drones covering it? Because first thing I thought of was TV coverage. Yeah, how's a motorbike going to sit in front of the rider and not yeah. stall? Because they're going to go on certain sections are going to be going eight kilometers an hour. There's going to be fans on the side of the road, and so. This is the problem with the Giro. I get really hyped up. I was really excited in the preview. I was really excited in the Root Reaction podcast. And then every year these things happen where these stages we were super excited for sort of get taken away or watered down or they can't happen. It's like, 
and I know they're trying to make a crazy parkour, which yeah, it's cool, and there's difficulties with that. But I think Grand, uh, not Grand Bonon, San Bernardino or Grand Bernardino, the, the big climb into Switzerland, that's under four meters of snow, or there's four meters of snow. That Campo Imperatore had four meters of snow. Now they might have cleared it uh, by now, and with the Swiss climb, they can just do the tunnel, which you know it takes, it does take out a bit of climbing, but that wasn't going to be the most decisive part of the race. That wouldn't ruin the stage to me if they took out if they did the tunnel, but if they can't do Campo Imperatore, then, you know, that's the biggest mountaintop finish of week one. It's the only mountaintop finish of week one. Like, they have to do that. Um, otherwise, the color of that week one has changed. So it's this, you want to get excited for these stages coming up. We keep saying, well, you know, this Giro is going to be really close because even if Remco has three minutes, you don't know what can happen in week three. But if what happened with the Bernal Giro happens when the stage gets two of the major climbs removed, then... It's a lot easier to defend if you do have the incumbent advantage. and Or, in Bernal's case, he would have gained more time because he was the strongest on that stage. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Hopefully, they have a resolution. Uh, they might, I, might, I think they'll probably do an alternative difficult climb like Zonkalan. Um, but it's also, I mean... Well, look at Hill. Yeah, well, Lunga Hill's... Should, should, we, <laughs> should we be too critical of RCS? Because like, they have to do the race in May, right? I'm not, yeah. The TT is different. They should know. But for, say... Say there is bad weather in Crans Montana, or and they can't do uh, the. There's too much snow to do Campo Imperatore. They they have to do the Giro in May. The weather is what it is. They either don't put in any of these climbs because they don't want the risk of the stage being changed because it might snow late or the snow stays late, or they put them in and then hope that it, the weather's okay and hope we get a great stage. I guess the middle ground is okay. Put them in. But you've got to have a plan B ready to go yeah. uh, in case the weather doesn't play ball. And on one end, you could say when it comes to those stages, uh, can RCS prepare for that in that way? Like you say, when it comes to the weather and so forth. That's one thing. I, I don't blame them as much for a great mountain stage with three above 3,000 meter mountain tops falling out because of snow. That's something that can happen if a race falls into May. Maybe it should be at the end of the season. We can talk about it at some point in our lives again. Should it switch with the Velta? Who knows? Yes. But, <laughs> but I would say the plan of having DSs on a motorbike with their bike on their shoulders is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in cycling. If you come up with that, you deserve to be deported out of any country you live in. In the same way that the person who designed Remco's Belgian NC jersey should also get deported. What's wrong with that? It's so what? ugly. It's T atrocious. The TT one. Yeah. I mean... It's, it's not too much you can do with it. It's just no, the, that's not the, true. The Dricola, right? I've seen so, so many better Belgian jerseys than that. You know, this happened. We were watching Benji. I'll say it because he, he laughed when it happened and Luke did as well. When he came on the screen, I said, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't know who it was. I was like, who's the Belgian national champion? And they're like, that's Ron Gavinable. He's the favorite for this race. I was like, oh, after a good start in the gym. <laughs> Imagine if I was doing live commentary. I was just going, Who's this stuff? <laughs> you just get booed immediately. <laughs> um, but anyway, it doesn't matter about Remco, what jersey he's wearing, because we know our mate is winning the Jira. Y'all laughed at us, but if he's this close in a TT like this, imagine what he's going to do on Kranz Montana. Probably take five minutes and everyone's going to be OTL. Five. At this rate. Fifteen. Fifteen, yeah, minimum. Uh, minimum, <laughs> even though it's a 30, 40-minute climb. But yeah, that was our Jiro stage one recap. TT, not the most, ex like, nothing too crazy happened. Except the fact that we have big time gaps and Remco is looking very, very good. Pressure builds on him. 
Can you do the Giro Tour double? Um, <laughs> the triple. Should he pull out and do the Tour? Is it like, <laughs> is this too easy for him? Should he? No. <laughs> no. No? Okay. Should Roglic? Should um, Roglic pull out and do the, yes? No, no. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. This is obviously ridiculous talk because I'm still excited. I'm still excited for the huge mountain stages. But yeah, it is interesting, like, seeing how people go. Um, yeah, that's all from us today. Thanks to GCN for supporting the show. Make sure you check them out if you want to watch the Giro in full and also La Vuelta Femenina. But until tomorrow's stage, ciao.